Hey everybody, this is Brent Ingersoll and you are listening to the Speaking of Podcast. Today we are continuing our couples therapy conversations about marriage. My wife Melanie and I sit down today with AJ and Julia Plasier, friends of mine from South Nova Scotia, and then Seth and Leanne Fancy, also friends of ours and pastors here at King's Church. We have a great discussion today about marriage and conflict and how to submit to one another. It is uh, really good and I think you're going to really be glad to listen to it. Even if you're not married and you just have relationships, this is worth listening to. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Here it is, Couples Therapy. I, I'm excited to have who we have on tonight because they're friends. Not that, I guess we, they've all been friends. Yes. But, uh, you know, these guys are real, real close to me. Um, you're looking, I mean, before I introduce them, even before we jump onto the Zoom, you know, you're looking at the 2003 Bethany Blazer softball <laughs> softball uh, lead off why hitter, does, lead off why hitter. did Bethany Bravo call it softball crump every time we're on a podcast <laughs> lead off hitter clean up hitter and ninth hitter <laughs> that's the bottom of the order him. not all the other no. <laughs> wonderful lovely things about him that's so introduce let's introduce him. our guests we have <laughs> a strong Nova Co- Nova Kosha Good Nova, Nova Kosha. Kosha. <laughs> it's getting late. We're going on like two yeah, hours of sleep yeah. today. So M- Melanie brought home a kitten, and she's really cute, but she likes to play at night. So yes, the sleeping. But it know. wasn't her fault. We had two hours of sleep last night. No, it was the five-year-old. Yeah, fault. our son barfed up his McDonald's French fries at one thirty in the morning. Like you do, right? Anyway, uh, aren't you glad you're on Zoom and you're not sitting right across from us? <laughs> so we've got uh, a strong Nova Scotia contingent. Uh, first, I'll, I'll introduce the homers. Um, uh, pastor Seth and Leanne Fancy, our lead pastors in Halifax at King's Church Halifax. Seth and Leanne, welcome. Welcome Ooh, to welcome. Couples Therapy. Hey, guys. I know we got a bunch of people from the Halifax uh, community that have been joining us on the journey, so... Really pleased to have you guys. And then from the South Shore, uh, down Yarmouth, we have uh, my friends, AJ and Julia Plasier. Welcome, folks. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. AJ is going to play um, Moonlight Sonata for us yes. here in just a moment. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so guys, really, first, let's maybe give us... Give the the participants your quick ABCs of your relationship. When you met, when did you get married, when did reality hit? How's it going? Let's go. Couples therapy. How about uh, let's kick it? Let's kick it to the pleasures and then we'll go to the fancies. Yeah, we, we met at Bethany Bible College. I think we met between softball games or between inning six and inning seven. <laughs> After you hit a few uh, dingers. <laughs> That's right. Between home runs, I, I courted Julia. Uh, we met at Bethany and did not date until I graduated and moved on. And I was back and kind of reconnected, dated for a year while she interned in Presque Isle, uh, just after Seth, actually, it was interning there. Got married in Bristol, New Brunswick, and have been on the district, floating around Atlantic Canada for better part of 15 years. Uh, the reality, I would say, was year one. For you, yeah. I would say the hardest <laughs> oh. year was year one. Oh. <clears throat> you don't agree was, on which year it was that you hit zone B? Um, for me, it was more when 
I stayed at home with the kids. Like when we had young kids, because mm-hmm. we were used, I was used to like doing life with him. We worked together on and off throughout the early years. And then that just made me feel a little more disconnected because my focus was home. His focus was church and ministry and I could feel the distance mm-hmm. more so that mm-hmm. that would be more bone B zone for me. Mm-hmm. Well, but your B zone was immediate. You said uh, AJ. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 the hardest was just the adjusting to being married. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I felt it got better after that because I was having fun doing ministry. <laughs> but we actually um, met uh, Leanne and I were roommates um, at right. Kingswood or Bethany. Oh. And we used to unofficially double date with them. They were dating. We weren't, um, but basically kind of were. But we used to hang out and double date a lot with Seth and Leanne. Oh, cool. That's awesome. We do have a little bit of uh, couples overlap here, don't Mm -hmm. we? Because you guys double dated. And then Seth and I would do multiple Fredericton sob. We'd hop in his sob and drive to Fredericton uh, to see our girls. So yes, because Leanne and I were both in Fredericton at the time. Right. So Seth and Leanne, give us uh, give us the rundown of your A, Bs, and Cs. Let's let's have it. Yeah. Well, um, we met um, at Bethany Bible College uh, just right around the same time we went to school, way back early two thousands, and uh, yeah, we've all kind of overlapped through that time uh those were good times by the way still remember those double dates with the place <laughs> and uh brett and i just whipping down the back roads you know of woodstock to get to fred fredericton we made actually record time which i i don't think anyone has has broken since <laughs> since those times but it was uh some good times back in the day but we met then um our a zone probably or b zone probably started for us Year two? Two-ish. Two. Maybe like end of one. End of one. Two, three. B-Zone. <laughs> <laughs> we moved to New York State. We yeah. moved to New York State after our first year of marriage. And that's probably really when B-Zone started, I think. Yeah, a lot was going on for us then, I think. Like we we transitioned from, actually, way back, backstory, I was on staff at Yarmouth with AJ uh, the first time he was at Yarmouth and we were there for like a year together. Um, and then we transitioned on and still to this day, I'm not sure it was a smart idea, but we, we moved to upstate New York and uh, lots of things took on this little church, solo pastor. Um, I remember when we got there, we didn't have, even have a place to live. We lived in a pop-up camper for six months. Oh my word. So that wow. started our yeah. real yeah. quick, you know? That's so, got to have its own letter, right? Like the camper zone. That's got to oh. have its own zone. Yeah. Living we'll just, in a camper. We'll just say things weren't what we thought they thought were they going were. to be when we got yeah. there. So yeah. problems started real, real quick. And I think a lot of it too was... Leanne couldn't work. She was Canadian. Right. And, uh, you know, so it was, yeah. there was a lot going on. Yeah, so that was we had a lot of factors. Probably two, mm-hmm. three, four. Definitely. Five. <laughs> four. <laughs> four, but. Isn't this fun, guys? <laughs> hey. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's so, it is just healthy to know, like, we're all, we're all similar. Mm-hmm. Like, in every marriage just goes through these. Not every marriage has to live in a camper for uh, <laughs> for for the first few months, but uh, we all have. Yeah, we all we hit all those have zones. A B zone. 
We do. Eventually. Yeah. And well, I, I don't think like. we, I think part of the point of the book is, and for anybody who's just jumping on tonight for the first time, you know, they describe these zones of marriage and how A zones, the, the happy go lucky honeymoon stage. And then B zone is when reality sort of hits. And the trick is to press through B zone to work toward a C zone, which mm-hmm. is why they call it the second happy, like a new level of happiness. So mm-hmm. um, we all, yeah, we all, we all have it. But today I loved the chapter that they, they hit this week. And I think it goes right to the heart or even like God's heart for marriage. And they, uh, the title of the, the chapter was take a knee or two. And they kind of break down what that means. And we'll get to that in a minute. But they set the whole thing up just talking about basically power struggles within marriage relationships. And, you know, they talk about who's the boss, which made me think of Tony Danza. You guys mm-hmm. remember that show? <laughs> hey, Mona. You're aging yourself. I am. I totally am. I was just little, though. I was a little kid when Tony Danza was a thing. What was that show? It was called Who's show. the Boss? Yeah. Who's yeah. the Boss? That's why I was thinking about it. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, they're talking about like fighting, it, fighting for control, and they told the story of uh, the the vacuum, vacuum. The, the, <laughs> the petty vacuum cleaner story. Um, and I thought it'd be fun to get to know one another. Does do you guys have any petty fights that ha- maybe have been resolved or are ongoing that you are willing to you are willing to share? I feel like Seth and Leanne are teed right up. <laughs> yeah, we, we, do, we do, we do have one, and it. It probably it happened during quarantine, so it's kind of still ongoing. <laughs> it's <unresolved>. <laughs> <laughs> it all has to do with a clothesline. I mm-hmm. I really wanted a clothesline um, put up, and so one day during quarantine, it was one of his projects to put up a clothesline. And um, yeah, we just couldn't agree on um, he he couldn't agree on where to put it, and I thought it should go one place, and he thought another. And needless to say, the clothesline still isn't up. Oh, and no. The kid is still sitting on the dryer right where I see it every day. Yep. Every oh, day. Oh, no. I feel you, Seth. That was our petty war. And it's, I, it, yeah. and it's not <laughs> finished yet. No. <laughs> we, we have pictures um, leaning against our walls. Because, yes, because, because you need to hang them. Because that's a guaranteed fight. Yes. It's a guaranteed, we just keep putting it off. Guaranteed, hundred <laughs> percent conflict is gonna go down. Yes. So they just they just sit there. They're never gonna we've, get hung ever. We moved in there like over two oh. years ago, <laughs> <laughs> and they're still sitting there. Yes. So. Oh, I love I love how petty you guys are. That makes you feel better. So, <laughs> what pleasures? What you got one going on? I don't have one right now. We have endless house projects. Yeah. See, I would just say. Hang them yourself, Millie. Like I, if I if I get tired <laughs> of him tip. not doing yes. something, I just do it myself. If I, we had that was a marriage advice when we did premarital that if, if it's something that you care that much about, like it would annoy me if I had to wait for him to take the garbage out because I care about it and it annoys me mm-hmm. that he doesn't do it. So then I just do it, and then I'm not annoyed. Sounds but, like Leanne is going to be getting a ladder. If you can. Or you, wait. <laughs> or you wait for your parents to come yes. one time and they help yes. you. I find, I find that a little emasculating, though. When, I do when ask you wait my for your dad, dad to come stuff. and hang stuff for me, I, I'm a man. Yeah, but then it gets done. <laughs> but if you threaten, not, not, I shouldn't say threaten, but if you let them know, like, hey, you're not going to help me. And if I can't do it myself, so-and-so will yes. come and help me. 
I feel like I'm empowering her dad. I'm delegating <laughs> to her father. It was all part of the plan. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He doesn't mind that because he he's very much knows his strengths and weaknesses. And if he's not good at something and someone else is, that doesn't hurt his manhood. So. He's, he's more secure than I am. <laughs> or, <laughs> or smarter. One of the both, probably. I love it. I love we, it. We have, we have constant fights about these. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because you would drink like ten a day, and then we go through them so fast. And I say one a day, but no. Well, drink like ten bubblies a day. And the thing that annoys me about you is that oh you gosh. you leave like half drinking, half drunken bubblies. I'm saving around. it for later, and, and then like, he throws it out, and I can't find it. Or I say, finish Where's it, and then bubbly? you say, "Don't touch my stuff." Yes. And yeah. So. We could go on for <laughs> hours. Yeah. We're just making pe- people feel better. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're here to serve. But uh, yeah, that's that's the, they're talking about the power struggle and, but they get right into like, I love it. They didn't really waste a whole lot of time in getting into like kind of a biblical understanding of marriage and roles and how it's really supposed to work. And they, they asked the question, you know, who's the boss in your marriage? And the, the answer they say is neither of you. It's supposed to be God. And uh, I love a quote uh, that, that they put there about fighting to be the boss. Um, the most marriages one? Most marriages experience power struggles. No, um, this one. The, you you're, fighting, you're fighting to be the boss of your marriage instead of recognizing that you already have a boss and it's neither of you. And I, and I thought that was a huge, huge uh, statement. And then they get into this idea of oneness and how marriage is actually different than any other relationship because it's not, it's not about unity. I like, I like how they made the, the distinction between, you know, it's not actually about trying to find a way to coexist or to unify it's, it's deeper than that it's for, for a Christian. Like it's, it's a oneness and um, it, it, they didn't talk about it, but it made me think about like the difference between like, like a covenant, you know, what's your guys understanding of covenant when, you know, I mean, we were all, all pastors here. So we've, we've been married and we've married people and we've even used that language before. Like this is a covenant before God, but you know, maybe for some of our listeners, like what, how would you describe what a covenant is and how that drives somewhere different than unity. Hmm. I don't know, off the top of my head, I would probably say covenant is a bit more of a, a binding relationship than it is feelings or affections or emotions. And the, the binding drives the feelings. Binding drives the emotions, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. And so it's not, do I want to be married? I am married. I'm bound in that relationship. How am I going to function in that? And not like binding as an imprisonment, but it's yeah. set, it's sealed, it's 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 not negotiable anymore. Yeah, yeah. There's a like a real um like what was the scripture they they quoted the Matthew 19 where Jesus said, you know, God made man and woman, and then they become one flesh, and like that to me is like the the biblical picture of covenant. It's the it's not even like, I feel like merging and binding. I see what you're saying there, uh, AJ, but even that doesn't totally capture like the, there's almost like a fusing that like the Bible speaks of that you're, you're, you're not like coming together. You're actually, you're actually merged and you, you really are one flesh. And I, I love that 
distinction because I think maybe one of the big problems in uh, for a lot of marriages when we start treating it like a contract, mm-hmm. right? And like, you know, a set of agreements that, you know, were essentially you're just really intimate roommates. And that's different than... And covenant. contracts can be broken. Yes. And that's the difference. And I mean, that's probably what drives so much, so much marital brokenness and divorce is you have a contract understanding. So, in, you know, your spouse breached the contract and therefore you have uh, an excuse to, to get out. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a major concept though. There's a, there's a quote there. It's a big one. You want to read that? I thought it was worth sharing though. Um, about oneness. Yes, this oneness is not a romantic notion. It is a new condition a couple enters when they get married. It's not an emotion or a feeling. It's a fact that defines who they are, becomes physical through sex. No wonder Jesus said that adultery is a violation of the oneness of marriage. Oneness is sacred. It is a deep bond between a man and a woman, both emotionally and physically, and is meant to endure until death separates them. Yeah, it's... It's a huge, huge concept. So they kind of establish that, and then they get into the real tension, which is really where the, 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 the most of the, the chapter sort of rests, and that is how, like, when, a, when you, know, you have those power struggles and you come to that space where you, you come to an impasse, and they talked about their, their story about wanting a third, a third kid, I think mm-hmm. it was. And, uh, you know, and that's usually like the, the, that's really the crux of the issue where they get there. And it's, you know, this idea of an impasse and, you know, have you guys, have you guys, did you guys resonate with their story of, of, uh, the, uh, the third child Have you guys, have you guys been in, in an impasse or at an impasse? Because you, both of you guys have a third child, right? We did. We did. Yes. I mostly blame Brent for our third child. Uh, I remember <laughs> that. Thank you, Brent. <laughs> Refresh my memory. <laughs> well, actually, how did that go down? I do remember, but. You you guys had gone down to another kid ahead of us, mm-hmm. and we were locking horns constantly over a third kid. Mm-hmm. And you and I were attending. We met at a funeral at Journey Wesleyan in Fredericton. And we're standing in that line. I was kind of processing with you what we were locked up over. And your words were, you you said, I couldn't handle thinking Melanie would resent me 10 years from now if you guys didn't go down that road. And that just started to shift things in my head yeah. that I'm called to certain things, but she is as well. And one of those callings was a child. I thought, I, I can't risk that. I can't have her resenting me. And so I came home, shared the story, kept praying. And that was the beginning of... So I just I just blame you constantly <laughs> for our third kid. We we literally have a third kid because of some of those seeds that were sown. And his name is Brent. His name is Brent. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, that that was that was totally our journey too because we were done done. In fact, yes. we put after our second kid. I was on like the the, the list, you know. Mm-hmm. But they never got back to us. And then once you know you're, we kind of got settled. You know, you started to want a third. Started to want a third. Yes, I didn't at didn't. all. Uh-huh. So same exact thing. We related to that story in the chapter. Yeah, big time. Mm-hmm. But it's exactly what you just said. I, 
I couldn't stomach the idea of you resenting me forever. You would have gone with well, it. Well, and like, also we came to the conclusion that you're never going to regret having a third child. Yeah. Like, once we have that child, you're never going to regret that or yeah. want to take that back, right? The other piece, the other big factor was, and the big the thing that changed my thinking was the, my reasons to not have a kid were all fear-based. Yes. They were all, you know, what if, what if, what if, what if. And mm-hmm. it was all fear-based. And I felt the Lord just say, since when do you make decisions based on fear? Mm-hmm. So thus, Alexander the Great <laughs> was was born. So Seth and Leanne, do you guys identify with that, the impasse at all? I, mean, I think I- so. I think... Um- we kind of got to the point where we're like, okay. And I was like, oh, what if Jack's my last little baby? And mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I think I was kind of like a little more like maybe I'd want a third. Um, and Seth was like, oh, I don't know. And, and Yeah, then- I was like Brent. I was like, no, two's, two's good. And That's then great. Um, quite, quite honestly, Isla was just kind of a surprise to both yeah. of us. So we just, it was great. we didn't really have time. To <laughs> and then boom. She's pregnant, but I will say that probably the impasse, um, another impasse I think that we is like current, even I would dare say is like, you know, we're talking about childbearing, but in the area of child rearing as well, you know, just like parenting and parenting together and knowing how to parent our kids and all that. uh, That's an area that I know that we constantly have to, you know, talk through and submit to one another in as well, not just Mm -hmm. childbearing, but child rearing and, we're right in the thick of it right now. So yeah. you do, you do hit those, like there's not just those major impasses that we hit, like having a child. Like, I think that's a, that's an easy example. And a lot of marriages have gone through that, but I think there's like recurring, recurring, like deadlocks that are, that are more representative of your differences. Like, you know, you're the, fr- you're the, you're the, I wouldn't say cheap one. You're the frugal, frugal one. And I'm the spender and we constantly hit that and constantly have to figure out how to give and take in that area. Do you guys have any, any, uh, you know, I'm the gas pedal and she's the brake when it comes to money. What are, what, what are some of your guys's regular, maybe, you know, to help some other people too. It's not just kids. It's, it can be money. It Anything, can be, yeah. yeah. For us, it's, um, I'm an introvert and, and he's social an extrovert and, would be with people all the time. So we have lots of um, buttings of heads sometimes because I'm not a social, I don't, I, I enjoy people, I, I really do, but he would love to have people over all the time, mm-hmm. all the meals, and that adds a lot of stress to me a lot of times. So mm-hmm. we constantly have to kind of give and take and and there's frustrations, just different wirings there. But yeah. mm-hmm. that's one that we will probably always deal with just because yeah. we're very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Different personality. Yeah. Our, dif- yeah. our differences definitely drive us to those, those constant and you wonder if that's not, and we'll get to it in a minute, but like, that's not God's design even in there to get us to be Absolutely. more self-sacrificial mm-hmm. and more like him mm-hmm. quite honestly. But you guys, anything, anything you guys would add about impasses, uh, Seth and Leanne, do you guys have any personality ones that are recurring? Yeah, I, think, I think defining time together um, probably like promote, like, you know, before we had kids, especially, um, you know, if we were out with another couple, we went out on a double date, I would define that as, Hey, we had time together tonight. Leanne wouldn't define it that way. She would say, Nope, 
we were together with another group of people. I just want to, I want to spend time with you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there would always constantly be this sort of like debate over, you know, just time together and, Mm. and, and quality time and all that. And I, we, we define that differently. Right. Mm -hmm. You just learn to, to work through that, I guess. Well, yeah. 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 <laughs> Still working. Yeah. It's a work in I don't think it goes away. Like, no, like you, you, I didn't have to compromise for your whole marriage. Yeah. Like, and I don't, I don't know if you've come my way on like finances or, or I've come your way. I just think we figured out we're growing in how to, we each give a little to bit to dance yes. with that a little bit more, but I don't think you're more like me, you know, like necessarily. No. So no, we're just learning to compromise. Yes. Mutually which, submit. Well, yes. Which, let's get to that. So, <laughs> so, so uh, they talk about, like, they start to get into the biblical standard. Let me read. Um, he takes it from Ephesians 5. And I think this is worth reading for everybody because it's, it's really the, the key um, as far as Christians and how we understand marriage. It says, uh, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is Ephesians 5.21. Wives, submit to your husbands. Amen. And we're done. <laughs> That's such an old joke. It is. Oh it never God. gets old, though. I've done it a hundred times. hundred times. Gets a laugh. It gets a chuckle every time. From there's, the men. There's some LOLs coming up right now. Wives, submit to your husbands uh, as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should, should submit to their husbands in everything. Yeah, there. Now we're done. Now, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Such a huge passage of scripture just on how we are supposed to relate to one another in our gender and in our roles as husband and wife, let's, let's just like, let's hit the, hit that conversation for a minute because it's a, it's a hot conversation in the culture too. And to get, we get talking about gender roles. And I think it's important that Christians actually do have an understanding of what the biblical expectation is, you know, for you guys, what does it, what does this look like? What does, what does it mean for wives submit to your husband's, Husbands love your wives just like Christ loves the church. And maybe let me ask this caveat. Um, where have we seen this gone wrong? Like where someone would take, would take Ephesians 5 and misappropriate it. That might be the better way to start is what isn't it? Yeah, I think you see that time where the, the male is just dominant, domineering, almost using the word as a weapon yeah. against his wife or family. Ooh. And mm-hmm. I mean, you get into some real spiritual abuse where it's just submission. I yeah. mean, it's just pounding a wife down into the ground, leveraging the word. Mm-hmm. You see it in homes, you see it in the pulpit, you see it in a lot of places. It's, yeah. a, it's 
it's, I think it's more common than we'd want to admit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you see like male authoritarianism definitely happens. Um, and, and, and a man may, may have never left, kind of laid his hand on his wife, but he has done a number with his words. Mm-hmm. And the way he leads, you can just see that she's beaten down. Right. Which isn't, which isn't what Paul is getting at. What are some other, right. other, other ways you see maybe it not work properly? Seth, do you got Seth Leanne? Any any thoughts on what it isn't? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I was I was leaning with what AJ was saying, like a hundred percent. Like, there's there's been a lot of um, like 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 when he was saying a lot of abuse with um, you know within homes, within children, uh, all of it. I think it's and I think it's deeper. I think it's I think it's a cultural thing too. I think it's gotten into the culture in a way it's, it's, it's a church culture thing, but it is a Western kind of culture, uh, you know, sort of issue or dilemma that I think that many, many people, many homes, many couples are, are struggling with and dealing with. Hmm. Um, so then yeah. what would you say, sorry to cut you off Seth. what would you say then it means for the man to be the head of the household? How would you describe that in a healthy way? Cause the Bible does say that. So yeah. what, what, what does that mean? I think you've got to get your example from, from Christ. That's, that's what we are given as an example is Jesus himself. Now we know Jesus, we see him as an authority figure that uh, figure that is a given, right? But Jesus uses his authority to serve, right. people, mm-hmm. not to take from people or to abuse people mm-hmm. in any sort of capacity or any sort of way. So mm-hmm. when I, what, what I see when it's Jesus is that men are the head of the household, Yes, there is some scope of authority that has been placed on men in the household, but to leverage to sacrifice, right? Not, not, not self-interest, not self-sufficiency or self-sovereignty in the home, but that is a high call of giving myself away yeah. as the head of the household. Yeah, so, I think Jesus yeah. said once, you know, like talking about kingdom authority and like how in the world authority is lorded over. Right. Like that's how that's authority is lorded over. It pulls rank. It pushes down. And in the kingdom, it comes under and it holds up and it protects and it uses authority, emptying itself for the benefit of the other. And I think that's I think it looks like uh, when I think about male headship, I don't think it means you have to listen to me. I think it means I'm responsible before God Mm -hmm. ultimately. Mm -hmm. um, And he's going to hold me accountable and I was, I got thinking when I was reading this, even just reading Ephesians five, and it reminded me of in Genesis when, you know, Adam and Eve and the whole sin, sin narrative kind of enters in, you know, you, you don't see a male, male authoritarianism being the problem necessarily. You actually see male abdication and he actually, the Bible says he's standing there while, you know, Eve is being tempted and like sin literally entered the, the creation you know, because a man didn't, didn't exercise his authority in, in the proper way. And so, yeah, I think you see authoritarianism. I think you also see a male, a lot of male abdication now. And I would, I would call that just out to anybody, any of the guys or or husbands that are listening. Um, man, when you read Ephesians five, if what pops out the page, I know I joked about, you know, wives submit to your husband, but if responsibility that makes you a little bit nervous does not 
speak to you out of that passage, you're not reading it right. Um, that is an unbelievable high calling to say, love your wives like Christ loved the church. I mean, there's that is the full, full self-sacrifice and the full yielding of your 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 rights essentially, and it's. Uh, do you think? Do you think some people abdicate that role? Do you think some men abdicate that yeah. of ignorance, or they have actually felt the weight of that? I think and they I, actually want to push away from the table. I think it's that AJ. I think it's. I think there's a lot of men who are really just boys who can shave, and frankly, when I'm not at my best. Uh, I would not, I would not describe myself as a man. I describe myself as being a selfish boy and fr- and when, and when in our relationship, I've been guilty of bringing damage into it. It's, I wouldn't typify that as that's being a man. I would typify that as you're being a selfish punk and you're not actually holding up your end of the bargain. And I think, I think marriages flourish first and foremost. Like you see that male headship thing. Yeah, that means first to die, bro. That means first to lay down your rights. That means first to say sorry. That means that means leading the way in in owning that stuff. And I think that sets the table uh, for health. So loving like Jesus is a a higher calling. And mm. I think he said something about you know wives take a knee and and uh, husbands take two. You know, and that's a major, uh, a major um, picture. I thought it really spoke to me. Um, and and at, from a wife's perspective, if you can understand and see the weight that is placed on your husband mm. in that role, then it should draw out some compassion and make you make it easier, maybe, I don't know, yep. easier, but make it easier to submit um, and be respectful, even if you disagree yep. because of the weight on their, on their shoulder for making those big calls and stuff. So it, mm-hmm. it, I think a lot of women want to rise up and because they see it as control because of what we talked about, how it's been misunderstood or misapplied. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when we can see it the right way, it's not, it's not a power over it's, a mantle placed on them that's a, a, a heavy weight to bear and it's our gift to be able to support them and, and not make that weight harder yeah. for ourselves. That's a huge, that's huge. And mm-hmm. it made me think, Julia, when you were mentioning that, um, if it'd be good for pe- for people watching tonight, even if you wanted to ever read together Genesis three, where uh, God talks about the curse and the curse on the marriage is that, uh, men says the man will the man will try to 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 rule over you, and essentially the woman will try to control him. And mm-hmm. so you even mentioned the word control mm-hmm. when you're when you were saying that, and that's part of the curse is. And I think what God is pushing us toward in like this Ephesians five model is that mutual yielding and seeing one another. Right. Like, I think that's the biggest thing is we, we get entrenched in our own perspective, our own like myopic vision. And we don't see the like you said, Julia, the, the weight on their shoulders or um, or like you said, AJ, earlier about the, the desire. You know, she I wasn't seeing that God put that in her, you know, and it's like, 
this pushes us to see one another as greater than ourselves. And what, where was the scripture actually? There was a scripture in Romans. I thought they said uh, in my notes that you criticized Melanie. <laughs> You're messy. My messy notes. You can't notes. find it now, can you either? <laughs> no, where was it? Where was it? So they talk about mutual voluntary submission. Let's get into it. Yeah, there it is. It's right. It's right where I meant for it to be. <laughs> Rome. <laughs> Romans 12. Yes, so honor they, one another above yourselves. There it is. So <laughs> so they give the solution, and they call it mutual voluntary submission. And um, if you've ever been around Kevin Myers uh, in a work context, they they live that. Like that's a value on their staff and in their leadership through their church is this idea of mutual voluntary submission. And they kind of, mm-hmm. they kind of describe it here. Um, The idea behind mutual voluntary submission is about more than humbly yielding to another person. It is an expression of living in reverence to Jesus. When you revere Christ first and foremost, you follow his guidelines for making your marriage work. Yeah. Mm. So I I thought that was... That was huge. I love that he says that as an expression of living in reverence to Jesus. Yeah. And yeah. And they, they put like a little chart too that, that showed like, I don't know if people have a copy of the book. Some people listen to the audio, which the audio was really good. We, it was really yeah, good. They actually yeah. read it themselves. So it was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But uh, just talked about that mutual pursuit in, to Christ draws us to, to submit to one another. Um, they gave a little bit of a breakdown. They said it's mutual means both of you have to participate in it. You're both submitting, not just one. Do you guys find that's the fear in this? Like as soon as you talk about submitting to one another, in the back of your head is, well, if I submit to her, (laughs) she's going to get her way and I'm not. And isn't that like the, or the even deeper one is, if I submit to her, then she has to submit to me, which is really not actually submitting to her. Oh, I think submission is prime for scorekeeping. Mm-hmm. Yes. Even, even as we were talking last night, it's like, I said, they're like, I'm winning. I've submitted more times <laughs> oh, than you have. Wow. So that, that That's must, true. that must, that must work out in my favor soon. Right. Don't I get to cash all those <laughs> levels of submission in? Mm-hmm. Cause there's something in our head that says, yes. I'll submit, but it better come back to me when I want and in the way I want it. Yep. And it's hard not to to have that rolling through your mind. Totally. They, uh, it reminds me just a week or two ago, like you scratched our new car. Wow. <laughs> We're going to go there. Wow. <laughs> going to bring that, that too, up. Yeah. Well, and then we, we started to do the math on. We started to tally up who did the most cost damage over more the years. Money via accident. And I won that round, actually. You did. Not because I got car. <laughs> I, I dropped a four wheeler on a highway. And anyway, it's a. But every, every, but every we time I need something, <laughs> every time I need something, I remind her we have a third child in this house. Oh, no. Hey, little Brent. Remember? And she said, when did that, she said, when did that run out? I said, what price can you put on a, the life of a third child? Wow. <laughs> I'm going to be able to cash in for years. Oh. Yes, I had to live with that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So some, some questions then about mutual voluntary submission. Uh, let, me, let me read this quote. I thought this was really worth, worth seeing too. It said, few things in life are more powerful than a voluntary sacrifice. It's an expression of real love that towers over our culture's silly definitions of love. 
Our culture exhibits a self-serving love rooted in childish wants, indulgent pleasures, dysfunctional codependence, or sullen willfulness. Real love makes sacrifices for the other person. Um, have you guys like let's let's talk about mutual voluntary submission in your relationships? Yeah. Um, so, what do you guys think is the most difficult part of mutual voluntary submission? What makes it hardest to to submit to one another? Well, for me, it's like sorry, um, like submission isn't submission unless you disagree. So, for me, it's really hard. Like, I can think that. I'm a submissive person, but it's really being an agreeable person is not the same as being submissive. Hmm. And that's something that I've had to process that like, no, I, I'm agreeable. So if I'm agreeing with him, it's not me submitting. It's because I'm on the same page. Hmm. It's only when I disagree and then still submit that that's an expression of submission. And that's really hard yeah. when you mm-hmm. don't agree to get to a point where you can put your selfishness aside. That's huge. Mm-hmm. We we we've had that before. It's like, well, I just disagree. Well, I just disagree, mm-hmm. and, and we get and you get stuck there. And you know what I thought about too? Usually, one person will hold the conversation hostage and force and force their way, right? Like so, like like she's they said in the thing about like the longer we kept this going, the more time was running out on having another baby. And usually the person that doesn't want to do whatever can hold the hold resolution hostage just by resisting the the conversation. So they win by default. Yeah, you is yeah. how he worded it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. What about you guys, fancies? What what have you what do you find most difficult about MVS? I need you. Voluntary submission. Did we already abbreviate? Oh, that? it's Did it's know what we're talking. It's about? abbreved. Okay. It's already wow. abbreved. So okay. MVS. Go ahead, Leanne. I I think uh, like the difficulty is just like like we can both be really stubborn, and so it's me saying, okay, I'm going to give up my right to be right right now, and like I think I'm right, but I'm having to admit that admit or let like not let but what is the right term like i am yeah. having to set my desire aside mm-hmm. and let him have his his way or desire i guess that's on his heart yeah i think the biggest challenge really comes down to motive behind yeah. behind everything like like it's like we, we're kind of just having this conversation about submitting and yet keeping lists still in our mm-hmm. submission yeah. with each mm-hmm. other like that's still acting like a contract yeah. you know mm-hmm. what i mean still being contractual in the way that we operate even though we're in submission to each other mm-hmm. right um and i think like it's so easy to kind of get into that well i did this for you you do this for me sort of narrative and or even we- better you didn't do this for me yeah. so i'm not doing this i'm not doing this right. for you so I think in many ways, like it all, to me, it all comes back to covenant and covenant is truly a sacrificial sort of love. And that, I think that is the hardest part Mm. is to realign my heart and confront my own self-interest continually um, and come back to a place of I'm, I'm, I'm submitting to her out of a, out of a position of, of love. Mm. And I think Christ 
gives us the ultimate example of that. Now, putting that into practice is terribly difficult because I am certainly bent on getting what I want a lot of the times, right? And so um, I think it's just checking my motives. And and, 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 the, and the reality is what I find with marriage in and of itself is going to confront your self-interest, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. You you are going, it's going to be exposed. And so we have to be able to to actually deal with that and work through that. I think that's what, that's the fight of oneness in mm-hmm. a way. Yep. I'm bringing my wants, my desires, not only that, my history. I think that was interesting in the book where they would talk about um, going back to wanting the kid, how she grew up in a big house and desired mm-hmm. a family. Well, that, that actually came from uh, her, her, her generational origin. Mm-hmm. And he came, you know, it, it was interesting. So we bring all that in and then we have to become one and keep our motives in that pure. That, mm-hmm. that to me is the hardest, I think. Yeah, so. yeah it is. And you, you make a great point too, because you do see, we, you do see that fleshed out in your family dynamics with in-laws and, you know, they, they mention the two becoming one flesh and a man should leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. You know, that's another reason a lot of the time oneness doesn't happen because you still have one foot in your, your mom's house or, you know, your, your mom still has a foot in your house or whatever. And, uh, it, it is a fight. What just, just before we kind of wrap up the conversation on, on MVS, <laughs> um, what do you guys think are some of the, like the most common, you know, things that stop us from, you know, if you were, if we were to help our listeners and help one another in, hey, if there's going to be something that's going to hang you up from being able to serve your spouse well in this, what are some of the things, the most common, common things to be aware of that this is going to, this will actually undermine the covenant relationship God wants for you? I think something that I was processing as you guys were kicking on submission is what under undermines me is that I will submit, but then abdicate. So mm. I'll submit. Like we bought a house in Fredericton one time. I submitted to it. She wanted it. I didn't. So I submitted, but then I abdicated all responsibility from the house. And if it's, and it did lose a ton of money, well, that was her fault. I submitted to what you wanted. Your plan failed. I'm not responsible for this. And so I did the submission by title, but I separated the oneness this was your idea, not mine. And so I wouldn't want people listening to think I submit and then back away from the responsibility. Right. right. Submitting is being all the way in That's as great. if it was your idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I still struggle with that. That's a good point. That is a huge point. Uh-huh. We, we do that. Yes. Your dog. Yes. Your kitten. <laughs> your, <laughs> your stupid cat keeps waking me up. <laughs> right. Yeah. Absolutely. And for me, I would say like, when Paul says um, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies, like that speaks to the oneness that yes. Christ is talking about. So if we act like we're one, then whatever discussion or argument we're having that we can't agree on, for me, it's a matter of like, do I trust that what he's either saying no about or wanting to do and I'm not agreeing, do I trust that that is good for both of us in our oneness? And not just be selfish and be like, this is what I want. And and then it's the contractual thing again, where right. if we're one, then the decision to submit is because that's going to be best for both as one, because 
your one body and you're loving yeah you're loving yourself yeah by doing that, that. That. so it's a trust thing so sometimes you might feel like i don't trust that that's good for me too yeah. and you got to come back to acting out of the state of no we're one now and and making decisions based on that you make such a good point julia because like i think there's a level of like selfishness and self-servingness mm-hmm. that like we can never totally get rid of. And I think that's why Paul puts that there is like anyone who loves his wife loves himself. Like, look, you're going to happy wife, happy life. It's in the Bible, you know, like it's, it's actually there. Anyone who loves him, loves his wife, loves himself. And I think that's, that's so, if you can see it as a win, like if you win, we win, I win. Um, yes. that, that's, that's a huge, any, any other potential, snags or snares that kind of block mutual voluntary submission. It's a lot of syllables. MVS. <laughs> Seth, Leanne, you got any thoughts? No, I was reading this quote um, just earlier this week. It's out of a book called The Second Mountain by David Brooks. He writes a whole section on marriage. He made this statement. It caught my attention. And I thought about this whole idea of mutual you know, voluntary submission. He said, marriage starts out as a joy, but it ends up being an education. <laughs> um you know, it's a joy because you get to, at the beginning, you get to spend time with the person you love most and care for them. But over time, um, you realize this is going to, this is going to require work and it's re- going to require education and education might be in the school of patience, hmm. in the school of like forbearance and recommitment time and time again. And I think, I think having sort of that mindset of, this is an ongoing process. This is an ongoing education together. Like we're, we're writing this story together. We're, 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 we're going to school together basically in marriage and not giving up on that. I think that's, that's huge. Mm. Um, so many people just, again, kind of going back to that. I think this, there's an ongoing theme in this conversation right now about self-interest, you know, mm. and interest contractual things, but like marriage and covenant is an identity word. It's not, a, it's not an interest thing. Mm-hmm. And so we, we have to look at it, look at marriage, not as an uh, I terms anymore. This is a we. Yeah. And I think being able to continue to live that sort of life together in education and, and learning to, to um, figure out this whole one, oneness thing together and not give up on that. Um, I think a lot of people are at those points and they're like, they're at that point that we, we don't want to give up. We're, there's no turning back. And so the answer, but this is what I would say to you. If you're at that, if you're at that space, then double down where you are, like work, work at it, work harder, double down. And so, um, yeah, I think that's what, that's what I would say when it comes to this whole journey of mutual su- submission, it does like, like you said, you've already said it, Brent, it takes hard work, mm-hmm. it takes work. So but it does, it does produce, it does produce joy. I think in the end, like, like, like the baby example, right? Like none of us all having gone through that similar journey, like wouldn't, I wouldn't trade him, you know, even, you know, 3am French fries on the bed, notwithstanding, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't send him back. And it's, that's, I think the, don't, don't sleep on how God can give you something you didn't know you wanted through the wants of your spouse. Mm-hmm. That's good. And I've seen that happen too many times. 
And some things that at first I, that were tensions for us now are real strengths. Um, I would say like the, you know, you guys were mentioning the introvert extrovert thing. When we first got married, you're huge. You're, you're definitely an introvert. I'm still an introvert. No, you, I mean, you're, you're an introvert. Yes. And I think I'm an extrovert, but my life has beaten me into wanting, wanting to be home, (laughs) home by myself. You're more introverted now. Well, but it was a, it was a source of tension for us at first because like you guys, I wanted to be out. I wanted to be doing stuff. Mm -hmm. I wanted to have friends and all that. And it's like, now I have more social in my life than I ever wanted. It's like, almost like God knew Brent. I've designed her for a version of you that you aren't even, that's not even who you are yet. Mm-hmm. And there are things there, there are actually gifts inside of, you know, I, I remember hearing a, a Jensen Franklin sermon. I love his like Southern draw. He says, God gives his gifts in strange wrapping. I talked about strangely wrapped gifts. And I think God gifts, gifts us things through our spouse that originally we, we didn't, we found maybe even repulsive or challenging that in, in the end can be, can be blessings. I think that's mm-hmm. maybe what my encouragement I give people is this is God's design to give birth to something better. Mm-hmm. And the only, the only failure I think is to just to ab to abdicate and avoid. You just got to keep, you just got to do the work of, of submitting to one another and it's hard mm-hmm. and it feels like a death because it is. And yet there's a, re- there's resurrection power through that. And so I love this chapter. I think it hits the, it hits the nail on the head. I want to read this last quote um, where he talks about working it out in real time. He used the example of Marcia having to slow down while they run together. And uh, he said, uh, mutual voluntary submission means subjugating your will for the benefit of your spouse and for the oneness of your marriage. He goes, this is a true complete picture of biblical marriage. If submission means taking a knee then sacrifice means taking two knees. Yes, the wife should take a knee in mutual voluntary submission to her husband, but the husband must take two knees as an act of sacrifice for his wife. But neither one is bowing to the other. Rather, they are both bowing to Christ who gave his life on the cross for their sake. Mm-hmm. And that says it all. I mean, Christ, Christ disarms us and we can't be selfish and we can't be victims and take Jesus seriously. Mm-hmm. You just can't. So guys, uh, I wonder if, uh, maybe I could get, uh, AJ, um, since, since you're the, uh, the, 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 you guys are the guest church reps here, you know, would you pray, um, for everyone tonight? Just let's pray. Let's pray oneness into marriages, uh, for people tuning in. Um, not just people in the King's church community. We've got a lot of folks that are, are jumping in, uh, beyond our, our church. So if you'd pray, AJ, Julia, um, just, uh, the two, you know, whoever, uh, and just pray for oneness and we'll agree. So Jesus, we come before you and dying to self might be one of the most complicated things we do in this journey. And being married is one of those expressions where we fight for self, we fight for our ways, our rights, our preferences. Um, it's in marriage. We see how selfish we truly are. But God, what an opportunity to practice dying daily. What an opportunity to be bound together with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, and as Brent said, 
in the differences and in the in the opposite areas, it's not just the opposite attracts, it's that opposite sanctifies. Hmm. And so God, would you help us to die to self? Would you help us to be fused together with our spouse? God, would you help bring a oneness to the marriages of those who are watching? Yeah. God, even for the open conversations, the, the open and honesty to be able to talk about how do we practically submit first to Christ to give you lordship and the kingship of our home and of our marriage and of our self and our identity, but then dying to each other, Lord. Mm -hmm. And so God, would you do a work? Would you heal marriages? Would you restore the broken places? And God, would you bring that resurrection power that brings newness to a marriage yeah. that they thought they could not see, they thought was impossible or maybe even idealistic. So God, these marriages are yours. We submit them at your feet. Mm. Would you show off? Would you do the impossible? And would you bless in unmeasurable ways going forward? And we ask this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Guys, thank you so much. Yes, this has been a ton of fun. And it's been uh, just nice to, to, to chat with you guys. Hey, thanks again for tuning in, everybody. I hope you found that as helpful and refreshing as I did. Hey, if you haven't already, would you share this with somebody? Send it to someone. Share it on Facebook or wherever you find it. Give us a click, a like, a review. Let's get this word out to as many people as possible, and we will see you next time.